Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Hour number two, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com at uh, 15 minutes or so, and then Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I want to spend a couple of minutes, Trent, just a second here, uh, doing a little high school stuff. I want to find out where you're going to be tomorrow because I know you're still uh, following the high school playoffs. Um Game seven of the uh, of the World Series last night, but the NBA trying to steal a little of the spotlight. Uh, just a couple of huge stars. The bad one, obviously, is Steph Curry breaking his hand. Right. And, I mean, you hate to see that, right? One of the faces of the sport, for crying out loud, and a guy who was, well, it's up to you, Draymond Green. <laughs> right? Not a whole lot around yeah, him. Not a whole lot around him, but Steph Curry, by all accounts, I mean, a pretty good dude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very philanthropic and... Um, you know, such a face of the league for what he's been able to do and for him to now miss significant time. And then the other big story from last night, two heavyweights. I mean, this was, how would, how, is Embiid, what, seven one, seven foot, something like that? I think that? he's like seven two. Seven two. He's a monster of a man. Going up against a 6'11", Carl Anthony Towns. The big cat. The big cat. Boy, these two are about to throw down. And afterwards then, and this is the, the part of the media, NBA. Yes. yes. That is so much different, I think, than any other sport. Is the way that you have the en- back and forth. Yes, and I'm trying to think one that would come close, and I can't. It's baseball every once in a while, football every once, but it's not like it is at the NBA, where you know these guys they are their own brands. Right. And we talk about the movement of the NBA and what happens, and guys controlling it. It is a players' league, mm-hmm. more than any that's other. It, league. You're not I mean, that's not necessarily the right way to go about it, but right. but you're right. They do control it, and that's what happened afterwards. Is Embiid he called out Carl Anthony Towns? Carl Anthony Towns did likewise. Yes. Fired right back at him. Uh, spirited for what game four? <laughs> if game four of the year. So the T Wolves were a good story last night. They got clubbed. I flipped that one on. I was excited right at six o'clock. Like here we go, and it, basically at the opening tip, that thing was over. Was it? I didn't see it. It was. Yeah, it, play. it was uh, an ugly one. There. We both watched probably more T Wolves games. I would uh-huh. say than anything else. At least that's for, for me. Sure. And I think you're in the same boat Absolutely. there. Can you? Is there a path for them in the West with no. Golden State? No. Well, no, I still don't think so. Just to get in? No, I don't think so, because the Lakers are going to take their spot. You know, the Lakers are going to take that Oklahoma City. Yeah, we'll see. Taking a step back. We'll see. It's so tough in that league. You're going to have to win at minimum 47. I was going to say 48 to 50. Yeah, just to get in. In the West. Just to get into the playoffs in the West. Not going to be the situation in the East. All right, so the high school playoffs in football are upon us. Mm -hmm. And I know you're working tomorrow. Did you tell me you're at Southeast Polk tomorrow night? We'll be out of Southeast Polk. The Hawks from Ankeny will be making their way. The old rivalry from back in the day. Mm -hmm. A little bit different with the split of the Ankeny schools, though, right? Oh, there's no question. doesn't have the same kind of buzz. They're still both Uh big whenever Southeast Polk hosts either one or Southeast Book makes way over, but it just... No, when it was it, the Hawks and, and it was the Rams in the and that was it. middle of the first decade of this century, oh, yeah. that was, it was on. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there was, there was hate amongst the two schools. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. Did they, 
the last year that there was that they were united, there was only one. Was that Joel Lanning's championship year? I, I believe think so. it was. Yes, wasn't yes. it? I think that it sounds was. right. Yeah, that that was the final season before the split. He was uh, so dominant in in high school. Not the most dominant, and I've told you this before. The most dominating performance I've ever seen in high school football, and I only saw him once play in high school, and it was in the championship game, and he did it with one hand, literally tied behind his back. Pat Ankerer. Oh yes, when he when he had one arm. When yes. He, I can't remember what was wrong with him. He had like that shoulder injury, wasn't it? Whatever, he wasn't going to play, and and he was the best player on the field by a mile and did it with one arm. I told you uh, he is the most dominating linebacker I've ever seen at the high school level. I've followed this for a long time. He he was sideline to sideline. He was a little bit undersized, but he was so fast. Mm -hmm. He could get anywhere on the field. But Landing, he was right there. There's so many great players. No, there there have been. It's... Going back, do you remember the Tim Dwight versus Tavian Banks Bettendorf versus Iowa City no, High? No, not really. I don't. That was what late nineties, mid nineties. You were probably just starting. Yeah, I don't remember it. I don't remember the one I remember as much as anything. Well, I don't want to blow his name. I played at Iowa State. Scales Joseph Scales. Jason Scales. Jason Scales. Jason Scales. For Valley, yeah, against Brodell. Oh yeah, and they a good started one. out a semifinal and. Scales went the distance. Brodell got it back, and he cracked one off for eighty. Mm-hmm. And that was the last good news for I, for for Ankeny fans. I think a lot of them are making their way back by halftime. But here's the good news about and this is year two, right? That we mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to have a representative from the western half against a representative from the eastern half. So Correct. from where we sit, I mean that's pretty good news because you know Valley Dowling, we conceivably could see this right last year at this time. Ankeny Centennial was the number one seed. They were upset in the first round by Southeast Polk, who was the 16 seed and made it all the way to the semifinals. Won two games to get there. What they will do though is once we get to the semifinals, they will reseed it. Mm. It's not a true 16 team bracket. It is basically like four pods, if you will, four pods and the four teams in each one of them. So if it is plays out by seeding. Valley will take on the number four seed. That's Ankeny Centennial in one semifinal. The other semifinal, we, we saw that game earlier this year, right? Did, yes, and Dowling beat them, and uh, the other uh, Valley beat them. The other one would be Cedar Falls against Dowling Catholic. So that would gotcha. be the other one. You know what? Did Valley play Ankeny Centennial? Or was it Dowling? I'm confused. It was Dowling. It was Dowling. Yes, and Dowling beat them. Um, is, is Valley? Are they capable of beating Dowling? Is is anybody capable of knocking Dowling off their perch? It does feel like that. Dowling has taken a step back. That they're in, on what side of the ball, Trent? Offensively, okay. more than anything. Now they have, of course, Gavin Williams running mm-hmm. the football. That offensive line is good, but quarterback play hasn't been as solid as we've seen some of the past seasons. You know, you go back to the game week two, Dowling Valley. Valley won it by a touchdown, but they had a couple of drops that could have been big play touchdown plays. Guys behind the defense for Dowling, but it comes back to Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson's yeah. team every single year. You get to this point, the team you saw back in August and September, and the team you'll see now for the Maroons, they are completely different. Until somebody unthrones them, come playoff time, they're still the favorite in my mind. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Boy, the season goes so fast. I remember when you were gearing up for it. It seems like right. it was like a couple of weeks ago. And boom, for a lot of schools, the equipment's been packed away. Is there a, is there a, um, a team that... I mean, Roosevelt's got to play Dowling. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's great that uh, the coach Moore has uh, the Rough Riders in the playoffs. Uh, Urbandale plays Ankeny Centennial, but the uh, but Roosevelt. I mean, it's 
they don't have much of a shot, do no, they, sadly? No, no, the, the defense, you know, maybe could hold up there. But that's a win for Roosevelt to get this far, right? There's no doubt. First playoff appearance in 23 years. No way. What were you doing 23 years ago? Well, this. But, <laughs> but right. I don't remember talking right. about Roosevelt. Probably not. And maybe they just snuck into the playoffs Isn't 23 years something? ago. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. Real interested, kind of taking a look forward to Certainly, I, we got the game of the week here, and we'll broadcast it after the is Iowa Wild game. Is that the best game of the week, Southeast Polk and, and the Hawks? I think so. I think that one's going to be really good. Keep an eye on Waukee and uh, Cedar Rapids Prairie. That should be a good one also. Uh, and the Valley game against Where Indianola. Is that game? It's in, in Waukee. Waukee. In Waukee. Mm-hmm. Those three games, will have uh, the audio stream for them on CISN, who I help with Pete Tarpey and uh, doing some work with him. So we will have the audio stream. No video for these games, but audio stream live at no 7 o'clock. No video for the games? Well, it costs. Oh, boy. When you get to the playoffs. And uh, it costs a pretty penny. So we're going to do three games. you got to pay three rights fees to get there. So instead, we will have the audio feed. That is at no cost. You'll be able to listen to all three of those games locally coming up Friday night. Just go to YouTube and uh, search CISN. You'll find them there. We'll have the replay if you miss it at 7 o'clock at 10.30. All right, so so real quick, because I want to pick your brain on some of the um, the, the the lower classes pursuant to, do we still call this the golden circle? I'm not sure if we do or not. But, you know, Pella, I'm assuming, is is in the playoffs. Um, Norwalk is probably, well, you know what, Let me let me ask you. 3A, 2A, is there any local representation to pay attention to? Norwalk was a good team, right? They're, they had to make sure. the, they had to qualify. Yep, Norwalk is in there, but that 3A field is just so incredibly good. You know, they're the number five seed in the second round, though. They're more than likely going to have to travel up to just south of Sioux City against Sergeant Bluff Luton, but Solon dominating mm. year after year. Yep. Western Dubuque, really good program. You got Lewis Central over in Council Bluff, so it's a difficult, difficult path. How about Dallas Center Grimes hosting Harlan? You know how good that Jeez. Harlan program has been. Dominant. And uh was talking to some people up in DCG, my friend Jason Kempker out of Kempker's True Value the other day. That community, they're pumped up for that game. To get Harlan to come in for a playoff game, that's pretty cool for a 3A school. Now, did my Bondurant for our Blue Jays make it, or are they home for the season? They are packing up the equipment for the year. They're getting ready for wrestling How basketball. about PCM? Are they in in 2A? PCM, great program throughout the years. I know they were right on the cusp, and uh, they were going on the road. They go up to Benton Community over by Cedar Rapids. You, know, you get these kind of weird matchups, too, in the first. I, I like this. I, I like that You know, it's not just... Remember for years where you had just the rematches of district yes, play yes, absolutely. when we had the 32-team bracket? Uh-huh. The 16-team bracket is certainly the way that you're going to uh, go in that one. So, All right, one more for you because yeah. this was when I, when I would do, when I was hosting the, the, the Friday nights. Madrid was dominant. Are they still? They are not. They're not anymore, so that's no. ended? They've taken I mean, a step back. You know who is dominant at that level? I don't. Is Van Meter. Remember I called their championship game, what was that, two years ago? kind of do, yes. I believe it was. Uh, I remember you went up to that community and tried yes. to... Yeah, pick up some advertising. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and the Van Meter people were great. Their booster club was excited to have them on. They are the number one seed in Class 1A, so they're the overall number one. They will be hosting the first two rounds as long as they keep winning and uh, then get the the last remaining seed in the semifinals. Van Meter has a really good chance of bringing home another state title. Great program there, and one thing that they have had throughout the years is that's what happens with these communities just outside the area. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not big enough to play at Valley or Waukee. But you can go down and play 1A Absolutely. football and play at a high level. How about our buddy Rob Luther? Collins Maxwell Baxter is where he is. I can't remember how, well, how remember it shook they, up. Remember they split with the Yeah, I mean, player? I know that, yeah. And uh, they, they had the split there, so it's kind of disappointing because that program was really good they year after year. Years, and yeah. they've had some good teams after the split on each side, but 
just not the same as what they had before. And, you know, one thing I've heard, speaking of eight-player football, we're getting very close to maybe having two classes of eight-player football because so many of those small Mm -hmm. schools are having to go to Mm eight-player that they're getting too many schools that are playing eight-player and you don't want to have out of your 300 teams, 280 teams, right. 150 of them played eight player. Well, were there how many how many schools in the state uh, had to forfeit the rest of the season because there, there was a couple a of them, yeah. right? Yeah. So maybe that's uh, maybe that is a sign of things to come. All right, we're going to do this before we do that, and that is uh, Alex Halstead from Cyclone Alert. But it's time to put another thousand dollars in somebody's bank account, or at least we're going to try. Simply text the keyword FREEZE to 200-200. That's FREEZE to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. But that's not all. We got more here. What? Let's give away more to the experience, the Neil Diamond experience, the celebration, the music of Neil Diamond coming up on Saturday at the Temple Theater. Give us a call right now, caller number three. We got a pair of tickets for you to give away for the show coming up on Saturday night at the Temple Theater, a celebration of the music of Neil Diamond. Caller number three. 284-5966. All right. We'll get you hooked up. Alex Halstead next. Mark Morehouse still to come. Trent and I until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, coming up in about oh, 15 minutes or so. We have our winner of the tickets, Trent. Justin Pierce and his girlfriend, he says, will be going to see the Neil Diamond Experience Saturday night at the Temple Very Theater. nice. I bet he was excited. What was his reaction? His reaction was, what the hell did I just win? <laughs> And then I told him and explained it to him, and he was very excited about it. So his girlfriend will be excited. Nice date night on a Saturday night. And, hey, if you're looking for a date night, this is the weekend to do it. Yes. No doubt. If you're looking to add some brownie points as we get to November and later in the season, the weekend, the Saturday, is certainly now. No, there's no doubt about it. It's not the shiniest night of uh, of college football, or day for that matter. There's a couple that will move the needle, though. It's college football after all. Let's get Alex Halstead in here, CycloneAlert.com. He's got the weekend off. Uh, Alex, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, though. Like like you guys just said, you know, finally have a weekend to actually watch some football, and all the good games are next weekend. So, uh <laughs> Still trying to catch some football for the first time this year, really. Will you watch K-State, K- Kansas, knowing that uh, both of those schools still to come on the clone schedule? Yeah, that's what I was actually thinking. Was I think there's only two Big 12 games this weekend. That might be one of them to watch. Maybe Kansas can keep its magic going. Uh, otherwise, K-State kind of pulls even with Iowa State in the conference. Yeah, good point. It's still to play. That's the that's the week. Uh, that's the final week of the season. Yes, I believe it is. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's kind of catch up as to you know what we've seen through the first eight weeks of the season. Last week was just. Um, you know, just kind of came out of nowhere, right? A seventy-five, a seventy-one, a sixty-five, and a fifty-yard. I mean, big plays against Iowa State defense. They've been few and far between, and to have three of them um, at the in last week's game was just just nobody saw that coming, Alex. Yeah, that was kind of the the big talking point afterwards. Is that you know when you look at those three big plays, like you mentioned, the seventy-one yard screen play, the um, you know fifty-yard screen play, and then a sixty-five yard run up the middle from Hubbard and. You know, those three plays really, 
you know, set the tone for the game. But other than that, you know, you get to the second half, and Iowa State allows two field goals. And uh, when you look at the game as a whole, the defense never allowed Oklahoma State into the red zone. And so I think those those things are probably fr- what's most frustrating for them is is they're probably a couple tackles away from you know being able to probably win that game even with what their offense was able to produce. And uh, Matt Campbell did talk once this week, and he said that was kind of his biggest disappointment is that 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 first quarter was really, like he said, not Iowa State football in that sense, but big plays, the um, the lack of efficiency on offense. And that first quarter is really what Matt Campbell pointed to as what he thinks uh, was the reason they lost that game. We always hear it, the bye week comes at the perfect time. Do you believe it has for Iowa State? Yeah, it's funny because I think Campbell liked the bye week in the second week. He likes this bye week. <laughs> uh, it seems like coaches always kind of say that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the best shape your players are in the best shape when they get to ball camp kind of deal. But <laughs> and the other team's always the other team is always well coached. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just kind of one of those cliches, but I do think he he means it in the sense of um you know, obviously has played seven consecutive games. Uh you know, they're coming off obviously a difficult game, but um they've had a really kind of rigorous stretch here and now you go into two consecutive weeks of Oklahoma, Texas. I know Texas hasn't played great, but you know, those are two juggernauts, so to speak, in the conference, just in terms of what you look at. You know, the, Matt Campbell's beat every team in the Big 12, except, including Iowa State, except for Texas. So, um, you know, he's trying to get them for the first time. So they have that, but I think the bigger thing for them is to get healthy. I think you look at Greg Eisworth, and he's played on and off. It seems like the last bump and that shoulder now, he basically didn't play last game. You know, and he got hurt like the sixth play of the game. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have to play this weekend. Next week, he really has off until uh, they get to Oklahoma. So you know, they're hoping that they can rest him up. I think Charlie Kohler and different guys, you know, Ryan Vance, just nicks and bruises that for the first time in seven weeks, they probably get most of this week off and uh, get healthy. You know, that uh, where Eisworth got uh, re-injured uh, was on the uh, the Wallace uh, Young, uh, the, uh, the touchdown. That was the 71-yarder, I'm pretty sure, early in the football game. So here's what I'm anxious to see, because Wallace is really good, and next time Iowa State's on the field, they're going to see C.D. Lamb. I'm anxious to compare those two, because these are, you know, two of the best receivers in the conference. Do you do you have a, a an opinion on, I mean, it's hard to go against C.D. Lamb, but having said that, Wallace is really good. Who's better? Yeah, that's the interesting thing is coming into the season, Wallace was the one that got all the buzz, and I think that was because of kind of the dynamic offense he's he's playing on. Not that Oklahoma's isn't, but I think everyone was talking about Hubbard and Wallace being this one-two punch, and yep. we didn't know about Hurts at the time, you know, what he would kind of look like coming from Alabama. But um, I think, you know, I've seen some people, it was an interesting tweet I think I saw during or after the Texas-Oklahoma game, and that was, uh, some people said that Hurts wasn't the Heisman because he, he wasn't even the best, you know, he wasn't even the best player on Oklahoma's team. That, you know, it's CD Lamb and he's making a lot of those plays for Hurts. And I think that's the thing that, uh, Tua Tagalova, uh, um, just bots that name, but that he gets kind of penalized for too. His receivers make all these plays, but I think CD Lamb is right there with him. And I think it's going to be a tough challenge for maybe Anthony Johnson. It'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma tries to get him up on, on Daytro Young because teams have not really targeted Anthony Johnson as much. It seems like they've more so targeted uh, Daytro Young's side. They have, and uh, that cornerback spot still hasn't turned out to be a strength of this team. Getting Eisworth back, what do we know about him and another injury uh, topic? Jaquan Bailey, it's something we speculated about. He officially will be redshirting this year and back for next season. Yeah, that was a question I think we had. We were pretty sure that that was going to be the case, but mm-hmm. when you're talking about a senior, um, you never know. I mean, I don't think he would have got drafted this year, especially now without seeing the film. And so I think it made a lot of sense, but I don't think we knew for sure. But Matt Campbell did confirm 
Monday that the plan is for Jaquan Bailey to redshirt and return next year. The best case for him is he's ready for winter workouts in January or February. So uh, that defensive line still loses a lot with Jamal Johnson, Ray Lima, but they're going to get uh, Jaquan Bailey back in 2020. And then, you know, the, the big injury obviously right now is Greg Eisworth. I think uh, it's important to get him. I think Braxton Lewis has played well when he's been mm-hmm. out. Uh, but it's just kind of everybody has to shuffle, you know, because Braxton Lewis could be playing where Justin Bickham's playing. Arnold Azuna has to play more snaps. And those guys have stepped up at times, but I think it's such a difference between Greg Eisworth and some of those guys that it's not that Braxton Lewis can't fill a spot. It's that then you have to bump everybody else up a, a spot. So I think he's really the only big injury we've uh, heard about. I think, you know, different players have some stuff. You know, Ryan Vance obviously missed some time, but I think his was mostly concussion-based. So, you know, now that he played, he should be good. You know, uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Jamal Johnson because, you know, everybody's talking about Bailey, and understandably so. He's on the cusp of setting a school record, and Will McDonald was maybe the talk of the offseason, and Ray Lima for what he brings to this team. You you can't overlook his role, and Awazaruke's a really good player. Jamal Johnson seemingly was the, you know, of that group, was the guy that didn't get um, maybe the, the credit or the recognition that he deserves. He is very quietly, I think, having a terrific senior season. He's had a big role in his final year at Iowa State. Yeah, and really the last several weeks, when you look at the West Virginia game, I mean, it's kind of him that stands out to me in a couple of different plays, blowing up a, a screen pass. I think there was a run where he just kind of ran right through the lineman. Um, he's been pretty critical in being able to, you know, rotate between him and Lima. And, um, you know, it's too early to jump ahead, but I think that's going to be maybe the most difficult thing to replace next year is having the one-two punch of Lima and Johnson. Um, you just don't know who's next in there. I mean, you look at uh, Isaiah Lee, you know, we've kind of heard it's kind of like a mini Jamal Johnson, but he's he's young. Uh, Tucker Robertson, we've seen a little bit, mostly at defensive end this year. Joshua Bailey will be back next year, um, Jaquan's brother. So we don't know much about any of those guys. So I think people got to appreciate what they have in Jamal Johnson during Lima right now because it's going to be interesting next year. They're trying to get a Juco to fill that spot, but I think Jamal Johnson – has definitely you know been overlooked at times, and I think it's interesting and funny to a degree that you're know, coming to the season. Two guys we played and talk a ton about on that line were Jamal Johnson and Zach Peterson, and they're playing some of the best football on the line. No question. Home opener for basketball Tuesday night. It's incredible. It's already here. A couple of secret scrimmages that aren't as secret as they once were. Tell us what you know about this basketball squad. It, it, they're scrimmages, but at least looking at the numbers and the box scores, doesn't appear to be uh, great early returns out of this Iowa State hoops team. Yeah, I think the main thing is they they gotta you know figure out you know different things in terms of shooting, uh, scoring. I mean, obviously that's a, a big thing. It sounds like defensively at times they've been better, but I think they're still trying to learn how they're going to play with two forwards. What does that look like defensively, and and what does the pace of the game look like when they have two forwards? Because it's just not something they've done. So I think there's still a little bit of a learning curve, and it's it's an interesting schedule to have that learning curve because yeah, you get Mississippi Valley State on on Tuesday and. Um, shouldn't say they're absolutely going to win. I think everyone thought they were going to beat Milwaukee, uh, what was that, a couple years ago, and that was kind of a, a stunning defeat. And I think this team's better than that, so it shouldn't be a worry, but it'd be interesting to see that game. But the thing with that is, you know, then you go Saturday and you go out to Oregon and play Oregon State, and then I think you get one more game, and then pretty quickly you're into the battle for Atlanta. So they have a little bit of, a, of, of an opportunity to ease into the schedule a little bit, but they've got some tough games early where – uh, they're going to have to try to figure things out quickly. And, and from the scrimmages, it sounds like defensively at times they've been okay. I think both times in the first half they've, they've played well at times, especially defensively. But they're shooting, I think they shot just above 30% against Minnesota. Uh, against Wisconsin, I think it was a, a, a one-score game, I think like a two-point game at halftime, but then they kind of got uh, beat uh, worse in the second half. So it's going to be interesting to see Tuesday, I think, for this 
for the first time, but I think things are kind of coming together as we expect in terms of Nixon and Halliburton and uh, Bolton as the backcourt. And, and the lineups, I think, are going to look a lot like we've talked about before. What are they saying about Bolton? Has there been anything trickle out on him? Not at all. I think, you know, the main thing with him, I think, against Minnesota, uh, I think he was able to get to the rim. I mean, none of them shot well from three in that Minnesota scrimmage. I think the, the box score that came out, Halliburton, was like one of seven. And, uh, as a team, I think they only shot like 25%. I think the one positive for them is eventually I think the shooting comes around because they've got guys on the team that can shoot. But, um, you know, Bolton's probably a guy that, you know, at times can really get to the rim. So it sounds like he can kind of create for himself. And it'll be interesting to see how he, Halliburton, and Dixon kind of coexist. Uh, two more for you. Caleb Grill, anything on him? Well, I think he's going to probably be one of those guys that's maybe in that that eight spot type of guy that can come in and play five to ten minutes, and uh, you know that, that's what would be interesting. I think Trey Jackson probably plays more minutes than him, but I think that he's probably the next guy. And uh, I don't know how much he played against Wisconsin, but he played about a handful of minutes against Minnesota. And, and the numbers of the minutes you saw against Minnesota, I think, are pretty close to what my expectations are. The only guy would be uh, Nixon in that Minnesota scrimmage. He only played. I heard the first half because of you know he was coming back from his concussion still. Um, so I think he only played less than 15 minutes in just the first half, but uh, he'll play more minutes than that. But I think if you look at that box score and you go find that, those minutes seem pretty close to what I think Steve Cromer has been hinting at. Well, Nixon was my other one. So, Trent? We'll get you out on this as we're talking with Alex Halstead. You do so much recruiting over at Cyclone Alert. Of course, we continue to wait the decision for Xavier Foster, what it's going to be, Cyclones or Hawkeyes for him. Your perspective, your takeaway, what you anticipate and Probably feels like still guesswork here. Going to come down to the wire. What you're hearing on Xavier Foster? Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting. Is if if uh, if anything kind of even leaks out at all, even kind of a hint of you know where he might go when it gets closer to what is expected to be a, a November 11th announcement. Um, everything kind of still sounds the same. I've, I've heard from some people who I think believe Iowa State's in a pretty good spot, but then there's also people who will say that. Uh, I think Bram McCaffrey and his staff feel like they're in a good spot. And so I think it's still in the situation where at least both staffs feel like they're very much in. I think Iowa State was in this week. Um, and it's really closing in on that, you know, after next weekend, um, you know, that's kind of the, the last little push. And then that Monday he's expected to announce. So this will be over soon. But, you know, the interesting thing is I think Iowa, you probably know Trent better, I think might have at least one backup plan. Iowa State really doesn't have a backup plan at that position. I think if, if it's they get fostered, they're in obviously a really good spot if they don't. They'll probably go back to the drawing board for the uh, spring period. Very interesting. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, thank you for what you do for us. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports uh, for Alex Halstead. 24-7 sports, their Hawkeye guy got in a little tiff with another Iowa media member yesterday. Did you see that on Twitter? It was just what? David pa- something. What's his name? David? Eikhoff. Eikhoff. Or, I, yeah, but... Uh, I think it was just Pat Hardy said something on his radio show. Oh, that what it was? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Mark Morehouse is going to say something on our radio show. Yes. How about that? Uh, not a bad segue, if I do say so myself. Uh, we will talk to Mark Morehouse next. Trent and I are with you until noon, Mark, with the Cedar Rapids Gazette. He joins the program when we return on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. A.org. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller 
Lauren Condon, final segment here on a Thursday. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6, and then Hawkeye Nation Radio at 7. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, he joins the program. We take a look back at the first two-thirds of the season, maybe a sneak peek ahead. Mark, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm great, and I just want to thank you for that playing music. That's a really great song. Uh, it really is. Trent does a really nice job. We like Tom Petty. Right absolutely here. do. Uh, you absolutely. know, you know what I've really liked about this last couple of weeks, Mark. And in, in Northwestern, just offensively, they were overmatched last week. But we're starting to see some, you know, some future Hawks, if you will. They're Hawks now. I get it. But guys that are going to play, at least you would like to think a significant Dane Belton a couple of weeks ago, and he carried that over to Northwestern. Western. Last week, the kid that jumped off my TV screen because I had no idea what he was or who he was, Joe Evans, uh, former quarterback of all things at a- in Ames, and he's coming off the edge and making the stat sheet with a sack or maybe uh, maybe more than that. Um, these are the, some of the moments in these games that you know kind of get a little out of hand that you get to see some of these, the future of the Hawkeye team, and both of those guys stood out to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought for sure you were going to say Sam Laporta. And he's another one uh, on the offense, yep. And even, even I would say, Dylan Doyle. He's only mm-hmm. a redshirt freshman, and yep. he played uh entire game last week at middle linebacker. Yeah, that's kind of the fun part. It was fun talking to uh, Derek Foster and Kelton Copeland and um, uh, Seth Wallace and Kelvin Bell this week about some of the future stuff. I'm kind of, Ken, I'm kind of stuck in the now. I mean, <laughs> I look at you. what's on the plate for yeah. the team. Um, and that kind of steered my uh, defensive story that way. You know, what are you going to do when Wisconsin puts seven offensive linemen on the mm. field? What are you going to do when uh, it's it's an outside linebacker against wide receiver, which is going to happen in this game? So I kind of geared it that way. But you're right. I mean, there are you know, I. It's kind of uh, like every Iowa football season. It just it seems like this year there might be one or two more of those guys kind of arriving. And I think we can kindly kind of. Uh, thank the uh, four-game redshirt freshman rule. No doubt. I, I think we're going to see we're going to see some of those drop off now, but uh, there are a couple more left. I think, uh, and I thought it was interesting Seth, hearing Seth Wallace talk about Jess, Justin Jacobs. He still has two games left on the table, so I think you'll see him. I think you'll see. I think I think you'll see two or three more freshmen get their four games. Get out there, get on the field, and certainly a chance to help this team as we flip the calendar tomorrow to November. It'll be a four-game slog here. And there's so much still on the table, so so much to be determined with this Iowa team. You know, they go a whole hum two and two. It'll be, I think, a lot of frustration. They run the table. The conversation completely changes with things. What does your crystal ball say? I, I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but do you anticipate Iowa's got a chance to to make a big run here in the final month? I. I- I think I put it at fifty-fifty. I mean, ask me after Wisconsin. To me, that's yeah. the biggest game. Wisconsin has its number. Uh, I mean, if they win, it's what four in a row this year, and then you have to start looking into checking into little brother status with Wisconsin because it's been too long since you knocked them off. Yeah. So, uh, big game in Madison. Uh, a lot. It's obviously a Big Ten West elimination game. It, if Iowa loses, well, then its best move ne- next week against Minnesota is. Beating Minnesota, keeping keeping the pig, and then uh, making sure you know it at least had a say. Mm-hmm. At least won a big game in the season. Minnesota will be ranked, you know, probably top fifteen ish still when it comes into Kinnick. So uh, you want to keep it alive as long as you can. Um, right now, I'm kind of at one and one in this uh, in this two game stretch here. I'm not sure which one 
is the L. But I picked him a nine to three at the beginning of the year, and I think that that's kind of trending that way. I, I, I see a three and one. 3-1 record here in November. Yeah, I wouldn't be a bit surprised, Mark, if that's how it ended as well. And you're right about these next two, and Wisconsin seemingly has their number. They're going to be coming off a bye. They're going to be a hungry football team, having lost two straight. You could certainly see the Ohio State one coming, but not the one the previous week with uh, with Illinois. You know, you mentioned Sam Laporta, so I want to go back there. I thought the officials got the call right. I mean, I don't know. They It was tough to overturn just because, you know, we really didn't have a good look. The ball was seemingly between his legs, but I wasn't sure if his hands were on it or not but that aside mark he uh he certainly came back and had a really nice uh he caught a couple of balls one of them was you know shinier than the other if you will but but sam laporta they're they're they've injected him into a position that really not underachieved because it's not fair to you know to uh put it up against last year by any means but they could use some production out of the tight end and laporta provided that last week uh, I think you've, you're very political in how you broke down tight end. I, I don't think it's been there enough. I mean, it's not too Iowa standard. I mean, yeah, you can't compare it to two first-rounders. Absolutely not. I thought it would be more in the line of uh, 2015 with uh, Henry krieger Coble and a young George Kittle kind of doing some damage there. But it, it, it hasn't been there. And they've run more empty stats than, obviously, the first-round touch, the first-round tight end touches. I think it more gone to the running backs, uh, to Mackay Sargent, to... Uh, uh, obviously Tyler Goodson, who's kind of shown up there. So I think it it does look a little different, and it, I think it's okay to call it what it is. And, it's, uh, you know, the group has just not been there to Iowa standards. So here's Sam Laporta now, a uh, 6'5", 240, uh, true freshman. Uh, I like I like his targets. I mean, if you look at his target chart, um, 20 yards downfield, uh, I think there's only four targets. I mean, we're not talking about a huge sample size, but – you know, I think two of those are 20 yards plus. So I kind of like that. I kind of, you know, maybe he can be that Kittle-type tight end down the road. Um, one, he went up for one catch against Northwestern that I thought was showing a lot of body control. And I know that's a little thing, and I know I don't want to read too much into too little. But uh, when, a, when a tight end or wide receiver shows me body control like that, always gets my attention. That guy, he'll find some receptions where, when he shouldn't with a body control like that. So very encouraged, and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep him in the game plan against the Badgers. You know, you, you brought up George Kittle. Did, did you see this success coming, Mark, or anything close to this? Gronkowski called him the best tight end in the game now that he's retired. It's hard to argue that point. I mean, he's having a ball out there. He looks like he's, he's having a just – he loves his job, uh, and he's so good at it. Did you see this coming anywhere close to this success? On the field, no. Uh, on the field, I thought maybe he would get a second contract. I thought he'd be a successful player. I didn't know he'd be a superstar. Off the field, this kid, when he was 18 years old, okay, he worked. He was an intern at uh, for John Campbell at KCR Gene Cedar Rapids as an 18-year-old uh, kid. Uh, he's always we worked with uh, KCRG back then. We were owned by the same company, and so George, this 18-year-old kid from Norman, Oklahoma, who I don't know, is sitting here talking to me and asking <laughs> me about things uh, in life, and I'm like dude, uh, you're supposed to be shy and nervous in here. What's going on? And from there, you know, just that family, they're free spirits, and I could see the big personality. Uh, I want to be George's publicist because I want the easiest job in the world. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fair point. He is quite the dude, no doubt. It's a great thing to see all these guys in the NFL and what they're going to be. Hey, Mark, I want to ask you this. With the bye week upon us, the second one of the season, we hear coaches talk about self-scouting, going through, finding tendencies, those types of things. I know there's always conversation about Iowa and what they do. Uh, look, they're just audibling into the short side of the field with the stretch run again. It's the same thing time and time again. How much self-scouting do you anticipate out of this team this week? And with it, maybe some wrinkles for the Badgers a week after. Um, I would say on defense, self-scouting would be having having an answer for seven offensive linemen. Um, that's, to me, is that personnel, is that scheme? Or you, you can't let yourself get run over. And so we know that's coming, it's and coming, that's something yeah. they have to scheme scheme for. Uh, offensively, I think we saw a little glimpse in the last few weeks on the tight end in the backfield and then the split back sets to help the inside protection. And yeah, at Northwestern, that absolutely worked, and it worked for a couple of big plays. It worked for uh, Tyrone Tracy's 50-yard touchdown. It worked for the fourth down conversion in the third quarter. So I, I think you'll see a little more scheming for that. I would have liked to have seen it against Michigan. You know, that'd be one adjustment that I would love to have seen this team have for, you know, repeated breakdowns in the middle of of the line of of scrimmage because you just can't operate an offense with that. I like that. I like that self-scout there. Last week it looked good. I imagine it'll be there in Madison. Uh, And then then I think getting Tyrone Tracy the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. Clearly how much this offense needed Brandon Smith, I think it's obvious. I mean, he was... He was headed toward All-Big Ten. I mean, if he keeps up that nine catches, 100 yards, he was going to be an All-Big Ten player. Now he's gone for probably until at least Illinois, maybe. Uh, get, getting time around Tracy touches however you can do it. I'm not sure I'd even want him just to stick at the X. Move that guy around and, and feature him if you can. Last thing for me, Mark. Do, do we know what uh, caused Brian Ferentz to, to lose it on the side? Was it a low block that got called? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if we ever saw anything definitively as to, to what it was that, um, you know, that caused him to lose his you know what. Yeah, it was a low block and it was, out, it was outside the tackle box. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not 100% sure that Brady Ross, the fullback, was totally square when he landed the block, which now is a penalty. And it, it's the way it's called. It's, and I think Kirk articulated it really well in the post game. You know, he didn't cuss. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that too. But, uh, uh, he articulated really well. It's the rule. It's not the official. The rule is bad. The rule is, uh, you know, you can hang out in the middle of the field and not worry about getting cut. I, I don't like that. Can I, I kind of uh, compare that to hanging out in front of the net and not expecting to get cut? Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't. There are certain places in the field where I think it should be hard to stay, and that is one of them. And I'm with Ferentz on this. But, you know, if it's a rule, if it's a safety rule, it's really hard to argue against those. I think you can argue against this one. This is not a head thing. This is a leg thing, and uh, defensive players need to be taught how to protect their legs and need to have their head in a swivel in the middle of the field. I think you see it with Iowa specifically, you know, fewer fewer long runs because they're not able to cut in the second level. Mm-hmm. Mark, I know you have a wrestling background yesterday. That was, was unbelievable. <laughs> incredible. Out of Kroll Farms, they have media day out there, the pictures, the sounds, everything. Did you make it out to Kroll Farms? Because uh, I know a few of the people from the Gazette was there. What a cool experience that had to be. I, I did not make it, but uh, I've been going to Kroll's Farms ever since we moved here. Uh, we, we get our eggs there, and... Uh, this was a brilliant idea, and I'm going to applaud the hell out of it because this is thinking outside the box. This is making a, this is taking a boring old media day mm-hmm. and putting a little life into it. Uh, you know, 
Terry or Tom and Terry Brands have been doing, you know, outside the box stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I hope the success follows for those guys. The big success, I think we know, you know, the hill to climb there is Penn State. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, I, I think there should be some excitement for Iowa wrestling. And this, you know, I think this could be the year. But, Bo, yeah, I did kind of get a Children of the Corn kind of getting <laughs> scenes of the Night of the Living Dead vibe out of that deal yesterday. More power to him. That was, that was awesome. Well done, indeed. Mark, great stuff. Thank you. We'll talk to you a couple of days prior to the Wisconsin game next week. Thank you, Mark Morehouse. Enjoy your weekend off. You bet. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids. Cause that was unbelievably great, wasn't it? The, the pictures. Yeah, it's just, terrific. And listening to Brands, that guy pumps me up every single time. I've told you before I was an awful wrestler, but... Maybe that guy could have helped me double up my win total no, to two. No, no, no. Think so. <laughs> you could have been stuck at one. All right, so you're on a bit of a roll here, sports wise. Yeah, we got a Big Twelve tilt tonight. We do. West Virginia Baylor. I'm anxious to see if Baylor can keep it going. They're going to lose a game. I, I mean, aren't they? A game that yes. they shouldn't lose. You would. We're I would about think Baylor. So. It's Baylor, right? Rule's done a good job. Yeah, he's done a, he, 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 a lot of people don't like him, but you can't knock the success they've had this year. Do you yeah. have an opinion on that or the NFL tilt tonight? It felt a little hefty at 17, but I don't have a strong opinion on that uh-huh. one. NFL-wise tonight, same kind of thing. I I guess I'm just basking in the glow of football here, or baseball after after getting it done, and you helped me along the way. The question, why can't the Nationals win this series? We talked through it. Mm-hmm. And it became profitable. Now, I don't think either one of us saw the road team winning all seven games <laughs> no. by Bay any means. But uh, just uh, just dotting I's and crossing T's on the World Series. We started the show with it, if you weren't with us. Uh, it was terrific, Trent. It, it really was, was great theater. really was. It was two teams, both of them. The, the best team in the National League was the Dodgers record-wise. But you know what? The best team knocked off the Dodgers. They didn't get there. And the Nationals picked them off and just... They're so good. Strasburg, I think they got the MVP right. Rendon was unbelievable. But Strasburg, when, when his team needed him to go deep into game six, he went eight and a third. Wow. Right? Yeah. Eight and a third. Rendon was terrific. It had that little dust up with Davey Martinez and the call at first base. Something for everybody. I'm going to miss baseball. I'm going to miss it. It was a hell of a – October was just special. It's well, special. 355 days before baseball, the World Series returns at least. Yeah, but I saw that the uh, spring training starts in, what, 100 and... <laughs> Anyways. We will be there. We uh, will be uh, talking plenty of baseball through the summer months. Yeah, absolutely. We both love it. Both love it. All right, uh, Murph and Addy today at 2. The Fanatics come your way at 4. Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6. And Hawkeye Nation Radio tonight at 7. Morning Rush will start a Friday tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being with us. We are Miller and Condon. 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.